Hello and welcome to another episode of the APW podcast series. APW, your partners in property and advisors on the process of buying property in the UK. I'm Paul Shearer. I've been involved in property professionally as a writer and journalist and personally as an owner and restorer of several UK properties. This podcast series continues to focus on UK property and all its many complexities. Today, I'm joined by the APW property experts, Stuart and Callum Williamson. APW connects expats from all over the world with UK properties and has helped over 2,000 people secure over £186 million worth of property in the UK. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Hi, Callum. Hi, Paul. Today is a short and sweet one. We're just going to have a quick rummage through the APW inbox and pick out a frequently asked question, which is what, Callum? Should I set up a UK limited company or SPV to hold my buy-to-lets? Okay. Stuart, what do you think? Um, If it's a yes or no answer, then we can be done and dusted and, and that's it for today. I suspect it's not going to be. No, unfortunately, it's not that simple. I mean, basically, it's all about the stage you are in your property career or journey in that if you're really looking for simplicity and you're about to retire, it's not a bad way to do it, but probably easier if you kept it in your own name. Whereas if you're looking early on in your career and you're starting to build a fleet of properties, then it is worth something considering. Callum, what do you think? Yeah, I think it, you know, it's there's it's not a yes or no answer. I mean, I, I would always say that it does just depend on your personal situation. You know, if you're overseas, do you plan on going back to the UK? You know, because if you're overseas, you can use your UK tax-free allowance, for example. But if you went back to the UK, you would need that for your salary or for whatever other income you're doing. So are you going back to the UK? How many properties are you planning on buying? You know, if it's only one or two, then you're probably going to stay under that personal tax-free threshold. So maybe don't do it. If you're going to go over that, that tends to be the tipping point, two, three, four properties. If you're going to go over that, then yes, it is probably worthwhile doing so. Okay. Well, it's a very popular route. Um, Just looking at some facts and figures, the new buy-to-let companies, there were 32,000 in 2019, just over 41,000 in 2020, and 47,000 in 2021, according to company house data analysed by Hamptons. Uh, So it's growing. The number of people buying through a property company has been growing. Why is that? What what are the benefits of buying in a company? Well, if we look at who's actually promoting the the formation of these companies, it's actually HMRC. So the revenue itself wants people to buy through companies because – they can then look straight through the company and can see who owns it. So instead of it being Paul and his auntie and his brother and who pays the tax, well, we don't really know because we don't know what tax levels they're on. It'll be two people owning it equal shares and therefore they are taxed at this rate. So the revenue wants the simplicity and that's what they're promoting. So they're actually going around and funding a lot of startup companies to set up these formation companies. So they're very much behind it. Is it a good idea for um, individuals? Well, yes, because it allows you to get back into the old tax regime of Myrus, which uh, is crucial. Mortgage interest relief at source. Mortgage interest relief at source. Okay, so Myrus, that was where you are getting the full, you can claim all of your interest paid on the mortgage against the actual income from the rental. Uh, which has been tapered 
in uh, private ownerships, private owners now don't get that interest rate relief. And so their profits have been eaten into in recent years. So that would be one benefit. Uh, but you say that the HMRC are promoting it, but you pay less tax when you own through a company. Through a UK limited company, you're paying a flat 19% rate of tax as opposed to the personal tax allowance or the personal tax rate, which is obviously a ratchet system and can get up to 40%. So within a company, it's just a flat 19%. And you will pay that straight away. There's no tax free allowance, you know, which is why we say there's a bit of a tipping point with the you know, where it becomes more beneficial to do a company at, say, two or three properties. But yeah, it's, it's a flat 19% rate. So as you can see, you know, as, you, as you're getting up into the higher, uh, the bigger portfolios and the higher amounts of properties and, and income, you know, that's going to be much lower than if you did it in your personal name. So from that perspective, it's a massive benefit. And you're getting this this interest mortgage interest payment relief. What other benefits might there be from owning in a company? I think one of the largest ones is inheritance tax planning capabilities. In that if you have children that come up to 18, then they can go on to the company as employees or directors and later as shareholders, which means that you can allocate different sorts of shares to them, which allows you to, to plan properly for inheritance tax and move ownership away so you don't get stung for the humongous inheritance tax bills that you do in a personal situation. And that's something that's not really focused on enough. The upfront tax is a benefit for sure, but long-term estate planning is very good through a company. What about some of the pitfalls? One, is it complicated to set up? And then what pitfalls are there in the setting up of a company? Well, no, it's not. There's two ways you can do it. You can go down the traditional route, which is speaking to an old school accountant, if you want to term it like that, where they can you know, help you set up a company and keep track of the accounts for you. Or there's new companies opening up in this space now, such as a company called GetGround, which is a fintech company. And they basically allow you to set up these companies through, it, through their app and they will do all the tax and the accounting and all of that sort of stuff for you. So if you use GetGround, you can have a company set up in a very short space of time, you know, hours, if you went down the other route, which is speaking to an accountant, then you know it wouldn't be very long either, but perhaps not hours. No, but the difference is, and this is a crucial difference, is that with someone like GetGround, the company name is all numbers and letters. And where's the fun in that? I mean, really, you, yeah, want, very to true. Have, <laughs> you want to have a name like the Williamson Abattoir Processing Company or, Limited, you know, something or like a, like APW. For instance, <laughs> made up name, and like, it's, it's good, not cool enough. APW. But I mean, who wants to have a computer-generated name? I don't like that about it. I've got to say, but you're right. It can be done very quickly. It can be done on a credit card, and it can be up and running within a couple of days. And at the same time, people like GetGround, which is also a, a, a crucial difference, they will get you a bank account in that company name in the UK. And that is not something to be overlooked because that can be very difficult getting a bank account when in a company name when you're living in Singapore or Hong Kong. So it's an added benefit. Yeah. And I think as well, again, looking at you need this is where you need to look at what your plans and goals are. Get ground will do one company per property. 
So you can't hold your whole portfolio within one company, for example, which if you're looking at a legacy approach where you're going to have kids coming on as directors and, and passing it over to them further down the line, you know, it's probably easier to do that with all properties within one company. So um, there are differences. And again, that's why you should, you know, have a chat with GetGround or have a chat with an accountant. We can put you in touch with the guys we use and the guys our clients use and you can see and, and they'll give you the best advice as to what may be the best way to do it. Yes, because you need to, before you set up a company, you need, there are some decisions you need to make about uh, who's going to be the company director, who has responsibilities for maintaining the accounts and so on, and how you're going to structure the shares, who's going to own them, and what percentages they're going to be as their ownership of the company. What about the actual responsibilities of having a company and owning it? What do you need to be doing regularly? Well, basically, you have to make sure you're on top of the um, tax returns and that you keep everything up to date in the company's house and you still have the same responsibilities of being a landlord. So it is a bit onerous. And for some people, it's not the right way to go if they don't like being involved in that sort of stuff. What if um, you wanted to sell the asset when you have a company? How does that work? Is it more beneficial? What happens there? Well, if you take the approach that uh, is the more modern way, and the way it's being sold in general by a lot of these SPV startups, single-purpose vehicle startup companies, is that you're going to sell the company on in total. So you can sell all the tax benefits, you can sell everything else with it to a new purchaser. However, some people don't want that. Obviously, they just want a house to buy. So if you're going to sell it out of the company, you need to wind the company up and get rid of it. So it can be a little bit more complicated, which again has to be thought out up front as to what is the best plan of attack going forward. Uh, Any final thoughts on buying as a company? It's not a case of one size fits all. You should do your research and see if it's going to work for you. There's a nice stat here. UK buy-to-let companies hold 583,000 mortgage properties in the UK. That's almost a third. So, you know, it is very popular, but not everyone's doing it. So make the decision based on your situation. Stuart, any final thoughts from you? I think myself, it is the way to go forward. If you're going to try and build a, a proper company on a based on buy-to-let property, especially if you're going to do things like HMOs, you know, that comes into its own then. And a lot of these uh, HMOs, for example, come as a package with an SPV and they come with lending as well. So it's all organized in advance and you don't have to look at all the individual parts and stick them together. So it can be beneficial from a simplicity's perspective. And if you're going into it big time, I think it's a good way to go. An HMO, for those of you unfamiliar with UK jargon, is a house of multiple occupation. And it comes as um, uh, it's a statutory responsibility if you're renting rooms in a house that's over three stories and certainly in several different boroughs and councils, they also qualify HMOs uh, at different levels Uh, It depends on the number of households living within that shared property as to whether it's triggered into being an HMO. Uh, So as with all these things, uh, check the small print and read very carefully, do your research. But uh, thank you very much, Stuart and Callum, for uh, today's podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Next week, it will be our monthly mooch around the market. But for now, if you enjoyed this, please subscribe or have a listen to all the other podcast episodes in all the usual places under APW. My name is Paul Shearer. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at The Art of Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stumm. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.